This is Michael Cohen, and you're listening to the Mea Culpa Podcast. With the passage of Texas's heinous and medieval anti-abortion law, we are witnessing the opening salvo in what promises to be an ugly and divisive fight to save our most basic freedoms. It's my fear that SB8 is just the beginning, and between GOP gerrymandering, anti-voter legislation, and copycat abortion laws, the GOP aims to turn America into a Christian theocracy straight out of The Handmaid's Tale. Abortion is healthcare! Abortion is healthcare! Abortion is healthcare! The state is implementing a template for the authoritarian future Republicans to propose for all Americans. The GOP, who has complete control of state government in Texas, has pushed through some of the most extreme right-wing measures in the country. Today, after a careful assessment of the facts and the law, the Justice Department has filed a lawsuit against the state of Texas. Our position is set out in detail in our complaint. Its basis is as follows. SB 8 bans nearly all abortions in the state after six weeks of pregnancy before many women even know they are pregnant and months before a pregnancy is viable. It does so even in cases of rape, sexual abuse, or incest. And it further prohibits any effort to aid the doctors who provide pre-viability abortions or the women who seek them. The act is clearly unconstitutional. Before enacting the most restrictive abortion law in the United States, which essentially outlaws the practice after six weeks and incentivizing private citizens to sue anyone who assists another person in obtaining one, they passed a measure allowing anyone to carry a handgun without a permit or training. It gives me anxiety. I have PTSD. You can laugh if you want. You're snickering back there. You think I'm crazy. And you know what? I am. And I have tried to kill myself with a gun. I have walked into a flea market and bought a gun off the counter and tried to shoot myself. I have had a gun shoved in my face. Have you? Have you had to live with that drama? Hell no. They severely restricted how teachers can talk about systemic racism in their classrooms, passing a law that says teachers cannot be required to discuss current events and cannot give deference to any one perspective. Texas House Bill 3979 is one of several bills across the nation seeking to limit what public school students can be taught about history. The language also seems to limit the teaching of critical race theory, also known as CRT. And they passed sweeping new election restrictions, banning voting practices, including 24-hour and drive-through voting that the state's largest and democratic-leaning county used in 2020. And I can assure you of this, there's no constitutional right to have 24-hour voting. And there is a reason why uh, there is a law to ensure that 24-hour voting will not be put into place in the state of Texas. And that's because of the right in Texas law to have poll watchers to be able to watch the polls around the clock to make sure that there is no illegal voting taking place. It's a hard right turn driven by a need to appeal to the core part of the Republican base at a time when there are clear signs the Republican electorate in Texas is actually shrinking and the state becoming increasingly politically competitive. Nearly all of the state's population growth over the last decade has come from people of color, recent census numbers show. 
Democratic-leaning cities in their suburbs are growing quickly, while Republican-leaning rural areas are not. In response, they're throwing every red meat issue possible at Republican voters in an effort to drive turnout. We need federal legislation. We need federal protections. I feel like I am a broken record at this point, right? Because we initially started talking about we needed these protections as it related to voting rights. Um, But the reality is that we've had so much bad legislation this session, whether it was guns, whether it was women's rights as it relates to their bodies, whether it's voting rights. Um, We need federal oversight in the state of Texas because the state of Texas can't be trusted. The extremism in Texas is being led by fucking Greg Abbott, the state's Republican governor, who faces a Republican challenge from the right in his primary election next year. Though Abbott, considered a potential presidential contender in 2024, God help us all, is still overwhelmingly favored in the race. Observers say that he used the legislative session to burnish his conservative bona fides. Abbott has called lawmakers back to Austin for special legislative sessions this year to take on issues of interest to the Republican base, including voting in critical race theory. And in the last hour, former President Donald Trump announced his endorsement of Governor Abbott's as yet unannounced re-election. In a statement, the former president hailed Abbott as a staunch defender of the Second Amendment and is, quote, all in on election integrity. Republicans in other states are taking notice. In addition to restricting voter rights, they're ramping up the same fights over abortion, guns, and critical race theory. The Associated Press reports that a, and I quote, network of conservative groups with ties to major Republican donors and party-aligned think tanks is quietly lending firepower to local activists engaged in culture war fights in schools across the country. Of course we're worried. Of course we're worried that other states... Uh, where there is uh, where there is a movement and an effort to prevent women from having access to health care will copycat uh, these steps by the Texas uh, that happened in Texas. Uh, now, that is one of the reasons why the president thinks it's so urgent and why he has asked his team to act as quickly as possible to see what our options are. As Republicans push extreme bills in the legislature, they're also bolstered by an extremely powerful political advantage. A decade ago, Republicans had complete control over the process of drawing the boundaries for state legislative and congressional districts. It allowed them to distort the lines to help Republicans win elections and guarantee their election in the state legislature over the past 10 years. This year, the lines will be redrawn again, and Republicans once again will have complete control of the process. What the Republicans are trying to do is to maintain the illegitimate power that they obtained during the the redistricting that happened 10 years ago by voter suppression and by engaging in gerrymandering through the course of the redistricting process that we are just about to start. Increasingly, state legislatures, especially in 30 Republican-controlled states, have seized an outsized role for themselves, pressing conservative agendas on voting, COVID-19, and the culture wars that are amplifying partisan splits and shaping policy well beyond their own borders. The next battle, already underway in many states, is over the drawing of congressional and state legislative districts. Republicans control 26 of the legislatures that will draw political maps compared with 13 for Democrats. 
Most important, they have rewritten election and voting laws in ways that largely hinder Democratic-leaning voters and give Republicans more influence over how elections are run and, critics say, how they are decided. And in some states, they are eyeing their own versions of the Arizona State Senate's brazenly partisan review of the 2020 vote, a new and, to many, dangerous attack on the nonpartisan underpinnings of American elections. It's going to be difficult, especially in states like Texas, North Carolina, Georgia, and Florida, where they have a trifecta. They control both the governorship and both houses of the legislature. Those are going to be the most difficult states for us. In February, former White House chief strategist Steve Bannon called on Trump supporters to avenge Trump's stolen re-election by seizing control of the Republican Party from the bottom up by taking lowly precinct officer positions in critical swing states that they could influence the selection of poll workers and election oversight boards. A recent investigation uncovered how a cohort of extreme Trump supporters who falsely believe the election was stolen from him are actively influencing American politics. ProPublica has been tracking rhetoric from far-right media, including from Steve Bannon, a former chief strategist for President Trump. He's been calling on supporters to become precinct officers within the Republican Party. Despite being low-level positions, some officials are using their new influence to change the course of the country. As ProPublica reports, it appears that a great many Republicans heeded this call. GOP leaders in 41 battleground counties have seen an unusual influx of precinct officers. Altogether, at least 8,500 new officers have joined these county parties. This was aimed at helping to overturn elections and further Trump's big lie. Whether they will actually succeed is unlikely. These are profoundly stupid fucking people. But the fact remains that the right is growing increasingly radicalized and it's making its mark on the state level where they have the greatest influence. Right-wing activists are seemingly everywhere, from the state house to the lowliest school board, fighting COVID mask mandates and the teaching of critical race theory. In some cases, we are seeing the presence of proud boys at these rallies, like an advanced army of muscle brown shirts looking to provide intimidation and support for their ridiculous fucking arguments. This is in turn being organized by deep-pocketed GOP donors and run by sophisticated political operatives. All of it in an effort to pass their conservative agenda. This isn't me being conspiratorial, it's happening all over the country. This is something else, huh? Republicans, such as those in Texas, believe they have the freedom to infect their kid and your kids with coronavirus, but women shouldn't have the freedom to control their own bodies. Other conservative activists believe freedom means harassing and threatening school boards, intimidating healthcare workers, and spreading the dangerous QAnon conspiracy theory, which is now a domestic terror threat. Among other things, some suggest that anyone who believes in vaccines and mask mandates in schools is actually a demonic entity and bears the mark of the beast. That's what Melissa, an alleged nurse from Lee County, Florida, recently said at a school board meeting where she said that Christians around America will take them all out, referring to anyone who opposed her pro-death initiatives to spread COVID-19.
And now for the main event. My next guest on Mea Culpa is a key part of the resistance fighting back against the extremist tide unleashed by the GOP. As founder and executive director of the Democratic Coalition, Scott Dorkin is dedicated to opposing the MAGA agenda and the spread of authoritarian law it has unleashed. A proud member of the anti-Trump resistance, the coalition he started in 2016 is now focused on holding and expanding the Democratic majorities in the House and Senate while fighting back against laws like SB8 and other copycat legislation. He joins Mea Culpa just days after the law's passage as many progressives find themselves in dismay, wondering what comes next and how we fight back. Those answers and more are next. So let's listen now to that conversation. Alrighty, so Scott, with the passage of SB8 in Texas being upheld by the Supreme Court, we're seeing the ramifications of the Trump court in action. Now, it's my fear that SB8 is just the beginning and between GOP gerrymandering, anti-voter legislation, and more bills like SB8, the GOP, at least on the state level, aims to turn America into a Christian theocracy straight out of The Handmaid's Tale. How did Democrats fight back against this onslaught? That's a great question. Uh, you know, obviously, this is, Texas is going to be a template for the rest of the country. It's going to be used in states across the country. They're going to say, you know, oh, the Supreme Court, basically, they'll lie about the Supreme Court and, and what they did. And they'll say the Supreme Court approved it like everybody agrees on it. And then Democrats will have to be on the defensive. So our goal would have to be or Democrats would have to be on the uh, offensive and not the defensive. And that's a, a problem, obviously, because uh, there's a lot of Democrats who don't want to uh, lie about what's going on. And, and Republicans don't seem to mind about that. And, and so it's it's you, you got to be able to play in the mud a little bit. Um, and that's the only way we're going to be able to survive this or else they're going to pass these uh, election laws and then also um, these restrictive uh, access to abortion laws uh, across the country. Now, they're going to pass them no matter what. I don't think that there's anything Democrats can really do to push back because they're they're so full forward on this. And it's during a pandemic. Um, you know, they're going to they're going to use everything that they have uh, for this because this is what matters to their the, the smallest part of their radical base. Uh, they just want to make sure that they end abortion overall. They overturn Roe v. Wade um, without even overturning it. And, uh, and I think that this is, again, Democrats got to find a way to be on the offensive uh, to make sure that we're, we're not just defending people or, you know, defending women that have to go get uh, medical care. Like we don't we, we, we have too much of this problem of defend, 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 and we have to get out in front of it. So we have to figure out a way to beat Abbott. We have to figure out a way to beat DeSantis. And, and these are the ways that we can go on the offensive. Um, but in the immediate future, pushing on corporations to make sure that they're involved in uh, supporting women instead of supporting these politicians, making sure that they don't fund uh, people like Abbott and other state legislators that help pass this bill. Uh, you know, th we, we just have to be careful about where we go uh, and what we do and where we spend our time. We can't waste our time on, on anything. And again, Got to be on the offensive, can't be defending ourselves all the time. Yeah, except when you're talking about corporations, is it really their responsibility to be doing what the representatives are supposed to be doing? And that's not just protecting. I, I get it. You may have a completely different view about 
women's rights, about abortion, right? Pro-choice than the next guy. And you're entitled to your view. But the L.A. Times actually had an incredible op-ed article, which was entitled um, How the Texas Abortion Law Could Spawn Threats to Other Constitutional Rights. And their obligation is not to infringe upon our other constitutional rights so that you could jam through this crazy SB8 you know, legislation. But I don't think it's fair to throw into corporations, and I don't care who it is. I don't care if they're the multinationals, whether they're the mega billion dollar companies that everybody's trading all day long these days on the stock market and then threatening, well, you know, we're not going to watch a certain program because they advertise, or if you don't, then we're not going to watch a station. That's not the response responsibility of these corporations. That's the responsibility of our government. It's the responsibility of our you know, representatives to do the right thing. And this is overturning 50 years of, of law based on Roe v. Wade simply because they can, simply because Trump stacked now the Supreme Court. Right. And I, I mean, you know, my belief is that uh, I politely disagree on a bit of that, but the, I use every single legal avenue that we possibly can because this is life or death in a lot of instances. So we want to make sure that we use every avenue available. And that's why we pressure corporations. But it has to be strategic. It can't just be like, you know, they showed an ad on Tucker. And we've done that before. We've done that with Hannity. Remember when they uh, when Keurig bent to our pressure uh, and then Hannity had people throwing Keurig machines off their balconies uh, in protest saying they'll never buy Keurig again and, and all that jazz like that, that's happened a lot. But we had a lot of success with the election bill um, moving the all-star game to Denver from Georgia. Um, you know, we had, there was a lot of backlash from that. There's still continuing backlash for that. Um, you know, then, then you look at, okay, but, uh, there's a lot of money lost there. There's people who expected jobs there. There's people who expected orders there. And that all moves to Colorado. Like, is that worth it? From what we've seen, it has been has been worth it. But it's got to be strategic. It can't just be like across the board. Um, I, I think the key thing is we don't want people that are corporations acting like they're on uh, they're pro women's rights and, and pro choice but then they're donating to these Texas legislators. I think we see a lot of that and, and we don't like I think that hypocrisy needs to be called out at the very least. And I think that's where that's where we need to aim. Now, pressuring on boycotts, they're not really as effective because people don't stay with it day to day. People can't stay on it. You have to be constantly focused on one company. It can't be dozens of companies. It can't be a full list of no, never shop here, like never use Google. Like we've tried boycotts with like Amazon and things like it's not. That doesn't work. All that does is it, it has uh, in one ear and out the other. Like it really doesn't. It's not a, as effective as saying, "Here's what Amazon needs to change. Why won't you change this Amazon?" And so, being specific as to what we want and applying that pressure full force so that it's not spread too thin. And that's what we have a problem with. Is we so like when we do it, it has to be strategic and it has to be sound. There has to be. It can't just be because of one thing. Like it has to be because there's an overarching donations to Republicans that supported this bill. They helped usher this bill through or something like that, where it's very specific. But again, it has to be focused on like one corporation when it comes to that. And and we just don't have the wherewithal to stick on one corporation 
and be like, this is to blame because there's too many corporations involved as it is. So then you're going to end up boycotting yourself and not be able to go anywhere, not be able to buy anything. And so we have to change how they operate. And that's just, a, that's a longer discussion, obviously, but it's, it's definitely tough. Like you have to pick your battles, right. And, and figure out who exactly we have to approach it and who we don't. And, and so as of now, um, you know, we're still looking into what the best route is. Uh, I, I know that the, uh, as of now, it's in, investigating and looking into the legislators that help pass these bills um, because we do find that to be corrupt. And then, you know, obviously that state legislator and, and uh, sorry, the, the Dems in that state legislature can then use that information to be like, oh, like you're bought and paid for. That's why you're passing this. Oh, you're passing this because of like we have to make sure we um uh, how can you say this? We have to make, make sure that they have the full information on the corrupt people who are passing these bills, because if they're corrupt in this one way, there definitely is corruption elsewhere. And usually it's in their campaign finance reports from what I've found in the past. Look, I don't believe that there's a single person listening to this podcast right now that doesn't believe that corruption exists in our political system on both sides of the fence, right? Uh, especially predicated on who's the biggest donor is usually, you know, where they're going. And if it's not through the donor directly, it's through some crazy ass lobbying firm that's getting 10, 15, 20 million dollars a year. But I do want to say that the targeting of certain types of companies, for example, that fucking idiot and a half, Mike Lindell with my pillow, right? Good job for everybody, whether you liked his freaking pillow or not. And I've slept on it before, and I'll tell you, it's, I, it's shit. It fucked up my neck something fierce. But I can tell you, look at what's happened with him and his company, and I truly hope that he ends up going fucking broke with his stupidity in the way that, you know, I said this once before, and I got a lot of, um, <laughs> I got a lot of applause for it, so I'm going to actually use it again. You always like, right? You always go back with the same sort of joke as long as people enjoyed it. You know what the difference between a brown nose and an ass kisser is and i'm referring to mike lindell with donald trump now you know the difference it's called depth perception all right mike lindell's nose is so far buried up trump's fat ass that it's gross it's absolutely disgusting and his behavior especially in light of the january 6th insurrection in light of the big lie This is not somebody that if you believe in democracy, if you believe in our Constitution, that you should be purchasing his product. And you know what? Good for those people that stepped up and decided, you know what? I'll go buy another pillow. I'll go to Bloomingdale's and go buy a pillow or somewhere else, right? Bed, bath and beyond. I'll go someplace else and and get a different pillow. I don't need his garbage. Right, right. And they did start a different pillow company. I think David Hogg from... uh uh, March for Our Lives, he he started a pillow company with somebody else. And that was uh, a very uh, interesting move. And I think that's taken off a little bit. So it's that's another way to do it, I guess, is you start a competitive company if it's very, you know, isolated into to what it's doing, like selling pillows or, you know, nighttime gear. Like you, you can compete with that if we don't agree with their values because they're running around spreading lies and the big lie at a constant um, you know, and disavowing and acting like there's patriots that um, were killed on January 6th that were on the other side. Um, you know, it's just this is inherently not true. Like, by definition, that was a terrorist attack. There were terrorists in that building uh, and those terrorists killed or led to the death of police officers. And it also led to the death of Ashley Babbitt. Um, so it, it's all intertwined. And obviously it, it leads back to the that old guy, Donald um, you know, obviously all of this, like, he approves of it. Obviously, if 
if he didn't approve of Mike Lindell running around and doing all this stuff, then I, I would assume Mike Lindell wouldn't do it, right? Yeah, you could assume that that's right. A massive potential leak involving Microsoft Power Apps, a development tool for many public websites and mobile apps, may have exposed 38 million records, including social security numbers, addresses, phone numbers, and even COVID-19 vaccination status. Don't get complacent with the increasing number of leaks. It's important to understand how cybercrime and identity theft are affecting our lives. Your private information is more exposed than ever and could leave you vulnerable to cyber threats. The one and all protection of Norton 360 with LifeLock makes it easy to have protection in the digital world. Device security helps block cyber criminals from stealing your personal information from your devices. VPN with bank-grade encryption helps keep information you send over Wi-Fi safe. LifeLock Identity Theft Protection monitors your personal information and alerts you to potential threats. Now, no one can prevent all cybercrime and identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses. But if you have Norton 360 with LifeLock, you can opt into cyber safety. So sign up today and save 25% or more off your first year by going to Norton.com slash Cohen. That's 25% off at Norton.com slash Cohen. But, you know, one of the other things that we all have to keep our eyes and our ears open to is a bigger problem than just SBA, believe it or not. And that's when you have other representatives, other GOP representatives now trying to push what, you know, what's termed as copycat laws. And, you know, eventually what happens is if you can get through something like an SB8, why can't you get through segregation again? You know, why, you know, why can't you get through all other forms of repressive legislation like they're trying to do with gerrymandering, what they're trying to do in terms of um, making it more difficult for uh, people of color to vote or people in certain uh, low-income uh, areas. This is absolutely unconstitutional, what they're doing. They are single-handedly destroying our democracy. You know, we had 44 presidents adhered to the Constitution that basically understood the you know, um, tripartite uh, you know, system that we have, executive, legislative, and judicial branches, each one being a co-branch of the government with equal, you know, equal powers, until you came to Trump. And this is a guy who doesn't, first of all, he doesn't understand that there are three branches. The problem is he's fucking stupid, and he doesn't read, and he doesn't know anything. And worse than that, it's one thing to be stupid. It's another thing not to know that you're stupid. And worse, to think that you're the smartest guy in the room when you get there, and regardless of what you say, that's the right answer. Because Donald knows more than the generals. His gut knows more than the generals. He knows more than the Dr. Anthony Fauci's, the epidemiologist, the scientist of the world, because his uncle, assuming it's even true, that he has an uncle that works at MIT. So through some form of osmosis, he now has inherited this knowledge, right, about epidemiology, about the coronavirus. And simply, he's making this shit up only because 
He fucked up, and he knows that he did. He made a mistake. He went the wrong direction. He thought he was going to bullshit the country, and Mike Pence going along at the CPAC with the same stupid comments, you know, that Donald just re, you know, reiterating what Donald said simply because you don't want to attract Donald's ire. And trust me, I know what happens when you when you uh, attract Donald's ire, right? Yeah. It's not easy. But then here, you know, he then got um, the attorney general a weak, feeble-minded individual, meaning Bill Barr, who went ahead and he played the Donald game. And if you've noticed, have you seen or heard from Bill Barr? No. It's now time for him to pick his fat ass up out of the couch, get on television, and expose Donald for all the shit that he had him do. Which is like, for example, one of the things that McCarthy's going crazy about, which is with the telecom companies and the release of all of these texts and phone calls and so on. McCarthy's petrified. Jim Jordan's been stuttering, you know, like stuttering John. Right. Why? Because they all know that they're guilty. Right. And it's a uh, does he actually does. <laughs> speaking of stupidity, does does Trump actually tweet? Does he actually know how to use Twitter or social media in general? Well, not social media, but Twitter, absolutely. I've seen him do it a hundred times. In fact, uh, when he first got on Twitter, uh, there were three of us that used to have access to his Twitter. I was one of them. And he would call me sometimes in the middle of the night saying, I want you to put out a tweet. And he would dish it off and, and so on. It could be two o'clock in the morning and you get it or we'd be in the back of the limo, right? And he would just say, Michael, you know, get out this tweet. But he does know how to use Twitter. Other forms of social media? No. But Twitter, that was his that was his go to. Yeah, that's it, it seems like that's very, uh, you know, we, we took it to him on that scale because we wanted to confront where he was. We wanted to play on his battlefield. And that's where we kind of started things five years ago. And um, it kind of kind of went from there. But it, it's, it's interesting to see um, just how, you know, even even with the stupidity, there's enough of a brain there that it can just constantly bash the same narrative home at like just through everything it doesn't matter if you call it a lie it doesn't matter like just pound 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 and it's the president saying it at that point so that becomes a fact you know and that that was very troublesome but with bill barr uh, the abuse of the justice department um you know there, there's been obviously frivolous prosecutions that have been exposed i mean i i talked to people like uh, lev parnas i talked to uh reality winners family um, there's a lot of people who have been used as obviously political pawns in his game. Uh, in um, hello, hello. Any any more bigger than <laughs> any more bigger than me? There's no, no one that deserved right? more um, resen- redemption than you. Like you've earned it. You've earned, like it, it. It's like you went through the ringer, and then you came out and you're like you, you like decided to yourself. I'm just gonna I'm gonna be straight about this. I'm gonna come out and I'm gonna do everything I can. I I can tell you. I know exactly how when you turn on Donald or if you're against Donald and you're out there in in front, like, you know, it's dangerous. It is not it's not a fun time. And and especially when he was president, like the cojones it took for you to come out in front and and actually deliver, especially with the testimony, the congressional testimony. That was what changed my mind about you, like completely when you went up there and and you, you testified that took guts. And that was uh, true, like an American moment there. Like it really, really was amazing to see that that turnaround. And I'm glad that you're, you know, you, you you've you've now come through this ringer and, and you'll have survived and be able to thrive in a 
in, in this new environment, especially with your podcast and everything you're doing now, because it's well-deserved. And I, I can tell you that we wouldn't have been able to, he, w- he wouldn't have lost, I don't think in 2020 without your help, uh, especially again with your testimony, because that was so damning and that fucked him up like so bad. Uh, he was just, he was just so, I, I don't know, uh, un- under the weather about it. And and then obviously COVID hit and it was like a one, two on him and, and just, uh, you know, eventually everything kind of came together. And I think that your testimony will eventually come back to haunt him because there's a lot of things in there um, that I, I'm sure are being investigated on the Hill right now. And that they're still going through, I'm sure, with the FBI because of Bill Barr and how he screwed with the Justice Department. Because you saw all those people that have been fired because they were basically, I guess, moles still for Trump or whatever they're doing. And, and they were doing a, a lot of things where they were trying to investigate journalists. So I'd love to see what they tried to dig up via the Justice Department on you, on me, on everybody else, you know, like we were political targets of them. And that is scary as shit, because if this is president of the United States and he's saying to the Justice Department, I want you to look into these guys and I want you to find dirt on them. I want to hire you know, private investigators, do everything that he can to try and destroy you. And he did. I, I would assume that you felt it like he did do that no oh he did it he did it and now it's time for the democrats that are controlling the house to start pushing these investigations and it's time that uh mcfarland and lisa monaco uh start doing their job and start opening because you're right from my testimony before the house oversight committee 18 investigations were open the da's um case with the supreme court twice winning uh, for his tax returns. It all emanated from my testimony. The only one that will not give me any credit whatsoever, not a day of leniency, not a second, is the Southern District of New York, the various prosecutors, and each and every one of them. Very soon I'm going to start calling out because I'm working on doing deep dives into them and exactly what they did. You know, seven of them ended up going to white glove firms, making a million dollars or more a year. It wasn't about prosecution. It was about their own, you know, uh, aspirations for, you know, um, upward mobility in their job, you know, um, descriptions. And that's all that it was. But, you know, moving forward, I want to ask you this, Scott. In a September 5th editorial for Newsweek, you wrote about Kevin McCarthy and the GOP's continued efforts to obstruct the truth about January 6th, saying, and I quote, I've had enough of crimes going unpunished, haven't you? It's on us, the American people, to turn up the pressure and contact our elected officials and the White House to make it clear that every stone must be unturned in seeking justice for the crimes committed on that infamous day. Now, my question, though, is when will the Biden administration get tough about prosecuting these people? Because truth be told, he seems content to play the middle with the, you know, with with this while the GOP is howling for blood. Now, they've successfully delayed and obstructed the truth for eight months. Do you think we're ever going to see real action and accountability from this new Justice Department? Yes. I think, you know, one of the things is they, uh, I, I mean, I I haven't been as critical of them uh, because I talk to people not just, you know, out in front, but behind the scenes. And it seems like some things are changing, but there are some people who, kind of scare me straight you know there's former federal prosecutors who uh, i've talked to that are just so disappointed and so outraged about everything and why aren't they moving on this or that 
and even statements took too long on Texas. You know, why aren't we using everything we can? One of the things that I always present to people who are in the administration right now is WWMD. Like, what would McConnell do? What would McConnell do in this instance? What would he do strategically? What would he do to make sure that you get to that end game of, okay, we need to get to the truth or there were crimes that were obviously committed. How can we get there as quickly as possible and and at the same time get everything out of it that we need to, which is the truth? Because I've talked to people who testified in front of the January 6th Select Committee who are Capitol Police officers, and they've told me, absolutely, like, we're not prepared. We're not fully prepared for this. I mean, they give us money. We're developing things. But uh, an insurrection can absolutely happen again. And you look at September 18th, which is on a Saturday, luckily, so there's no, and they'll be out of session. Um, so there won't be members in the building. Uh, but but still, like the fact that it's still a threat is, is absolutely ridiculous. And the, the fact that McCarthy's running around, I'm not sure if you saw this, but this afternoon, this fucking guy sent Chick-fil-A to the Capitol Police with a little note, a little love note on, on it saying, thank you for everything you do, something along those lines. And I'm like, you sent some fast food to them. Not only did not ever, most, not most, but some of the Capitol Police officers didn't even eat it because they were so disgusted by it. Uh, it, It's, it's, you're sending fast food, but you won't support the select committee. You won't support the the, the commission. I mean, you won't support anything involving it because you know that you're a witness. He's got to spend more time actually focusing on his testimony that he's going to have to give in front of the select committee. I'm guessing he's going to try and make it private. I'm also guessing that they don't want it to be private. They want it to be public. Now, if he's stupid enough, then he'll want it to be public. I just don't, he's not going to be able to weasel out of it. And I think that's one of the key things is if they want to prove that they're actually going to get to the bottom of it, they have to take off those white gloves and just get at it and make sure that you get every representative that was involved. If you've seen one of the videos I uncovered of Marjorie Taylor Greene walking out of the White House in late December, and she says that they just met in the White House about our objection to January 6th, um, you know, make sure that you, we're not going to put it up for this, whatever, make sure you show up, that, that kind of stuff. And that's like, you know, probably 10 days before, I think. And so there's a lot that we need to know about, like, wh- why were you involved? Your, your, you know, the ties to right-wing radicals, because I'm guessing that the staff and the members were stupid enough to take it off a of signal and go on like WhatsApp and other devices and the FBI's already captured that. So then you're able to compare, okay, when we get these phone records, what do we have? Uh, keep in mind that the cap, the, they can probably get those records that the FBI already acquired as well. And the telecom companies, there's no telecom companies that's going to refuse actually turning over those records. As of right now, every exec that I've talked to has been like, we're giving it immediately. The second that they ask for specifics, whatever they need, they're getting, no questions asked. Like th- th- this is beyond, they're using the pressure to get that information. And I think if they use that information correctly, they can get to the truth. But let's be real. I, I mean, I would assume at this point that Trump's goal that day was for his own people to get hurt. And so he can say, oh, look at what they've done to us. Look at what they or for his people to take over the Capitol and be like, OK, we got to negotiate with these guys. We got to figure out a way. I guess I'll stay in the White House a little bit longer. Like it's just it's just lunacy. And I'm not sure exactly why we have to wait so long for the organizers how long does it take for like if you look at concerts in the past where people have been like stampeded or hurt or there was a fire um, where the organizers and the funders and people who it set up the event actually got prosecuted? Like it was in tandem a lot of times with the people who actually set the fires or started the fights or 
you know, and that's that's what's problematic in my mind is, you know, if they're not all held accountable, it will happen again. And they'll also localize it. Right. So they'll do it in North Carolina if they don't like the result. They'll do it in Florida and they'll start doing it. And they obviously they're testing the waters by, you know, rating these different uh, vaccination clinics and things like that with protest signs like that. That's a mini kind of not an insurrection, but it's a mini protest where it's just they're breaking the law when doing it. And it just, I, I think it's going to get much worse if we don't put an end to it. And so you have to make sure that you prosecute people and, and it has to be public and it has to be, you know, less deals and more action. And I think over the next year, we'll find out more truth, but it's got to be quick. They have to know what's going on that day, at least the basics. And they have to start presenting that information out. Uh, 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 I guess it'll happen again. I, the, 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 as right yeah, now, otherwise... Yeah, otherwise it's going to happen again. And you're right, those who are responsible, if they get away with it, it's just going to create that whole copycat scenario all over again. But I did, by coincidence, see that information on the Chick-fil-A being left at the door of the Capitol Police. The first thought that came to my mind was a Family Guy episode where they had an epicac party, right? What I would have done is I would have doused all that chicken in fucking epicac, and then I would have pennied his ass into his office and, you know, let him throw up in his, in his own garbage and in his own office. Because I personally, I think he's, McCarthy is just a piece of shit, you know, to the nth, nth, nth degree. I don't think he gives a shit about this country. This is all about him becoming uh, majority leader again. That's all he cares about. And he will kiss anybody's ass and do whatever is necessary in order to achieve that, even if it means um, debasing the Constitution and what it stands for. But I want to ask you this um, as we're moving on. Recently, on the Rick Smith show, you said, and I quote, I was furious about, here we go again, Kevin McCarthy's threat. And we're dealing with a terrorist organization. This is ongoing terrorism. The biggest threat to our country isn't outside of it. It's in it, right? I've said the same thing and others have referred to these MAGA insurrectionists as the American Taliban. If you would, discuss this with me and my listeners. Sure. And so the the people who committed terrorist acts that day were not just the people committing those acts. It was the people who organized them, put them together, riled them up, the people who funded it. And so it it has to be labeled as such. The people who are organizers, the people who funded it, um, they're part of this terrorism investigation. And the people who were the terrorists who entered the buildings, who hurt the cops, who, who took this on basically as their battle, as their pawns, um, you know, they need to be prosecuted. Uh, obviously, they are, for the most part, being prosecuted. So it, it's... What we see is, and you can see it in the defense, like when you're attacking President Biden in a certain light, you're eventually supporting ISIS-K, you're supporting the Taliban, and you you kind of see a lot of alignment where they actually are supporting them in some instances where they're like, oh, I agree with that so much. And and when you see this kind of shift where that's okay. And now I, I don't see a lot of people speaking out against W, um, obviously uh, around 9-11. And I think that there's a lot of a lot of different things that are going on right now locally uh, inside of our country where, again, if we don't root out this evil and this terrorism um, and treat it as it as a terrorism investigation, I think because it's a bunch of white people, for the most part, that they're, they're 
playing in a different way in the media and it needs to be painted as it was. It was a terrorist attack. They assaulted hundreds of police officers. There's over a hundred of them that have permanent disability um, or some kind of injury where they have physical therapy. Uh, there's people who went blind. There's people who, uh, you know, were scared into quitting their job. There, there are people that actually will, will never return to the Capitol again. Um, and they were defending our country. And, and it's just, I, I don't think of anything more important for us to to fight right wing, I, I guess, terrorism in our country, because domestic terrorism right now is by far our, our biggest threat to our country. And it's definitely it involves people stoking the fires. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Lauren Boebert, uh, you know, anybody that you is named in any of those lawsuits for the most part. And these are the people who need to testify publicly, because if you were inviting people to that event, uh, and you have connections to these right-wing organizations that are terrorist organizations that wanted to take over the Capitol, that wanted to kidnap people. What did you know? When did you know it? We need to know everything about that. If you want to clear your name, send out your own phone records. S- tell us exactly what your involvement was. My guess is they were, were way too involved. They never thought that they were going to get caught. They probably thought Trump was actually going to win or win in, in some kind of right. And so they weren't worried about those phone records. And they never thought that Democrats would go this far and they never thought that Republicans like Kinzinger and Cheney would ever go along with it, per se. Um, and, and I think this is one of, one of the things we have to do is we have to make sure that we push it as far as, as we possibly can. Because, again, this will spread and it will normalize and people will, will get used to this kind of uh, anti-American terrorism. And that hurts our country greater than anyone outside of it has in, in a very long time. And so we just, we, you know, if yeah. Kevin McCarthy, Scott, if Kevin really cared about the Constitution, about our country, about the Capitol Police, he wouldn't have brought them Chick-fil-A. Right. He would have gone along with the gold medal that each and every one of these members of the Capitol Police should have received. Instead, you put down, uh, you know, what, who are he's fucking like Trump on his airplane, you know, giving Secret Service members, um, you know, Kentucky Fried Chicken and telling him how good he is to them and how he spoils everybody. Could you imagine that these people put their lives on the line for our for the people's house, for our democracy, for our constitution? And the best that this asshole can offer up is fucking Chick-fil-A. Now I understand. I don't eat. I I don't eat chicken. I've actually never had a piece of chicken in my life. So I don't know. I know my son is crazy about Chick Fil A, and I hear it's great. But I'm pretty sure that they deserved gold medal. You know, um, a gold medal instead of you know a um, you know a three piece uh, you know chicken set, whatever the hell. Well, just 79 days and counting before I am free from home confinement. I'm beginning to climb the walls a bit, knowing that total freedom is so tantalizingly close. My only salvation are daily walks that allow me to clear my head and feel close to normal. Accompanying those walks, I'll listen to my favorite music to tune out the world. No matter how you're feeling about getting back out there, there's no denying it's an adjustment. When the world gets too loud, something I love to do is create my own soundtrack by popping in my Raycon wireless earbuds. Sometimes you need some upbeat music to pump you up before you see people or to stay calm with some guided meditation. Whether it's a little Bruce Springsteen or the latest hip-hop playlist, I use music to tune out the world and focus on what's right in front of me as I work out or just walk and clear my head. So let me tell you right now, folks, Raycons are the best way to listen. 
They come with a bunch of gel tips for your comfort, and like some other brands, they don't stick out of your ears. Raycons have a 32-hour battery life, so you can listen to what you want, when you want, for a really, really long time. They start at half the price of other premium audio brands, but they sound just as good. And Raycons come with a 45-day happiness guarantee, so you really can't lose. So give them a try. You'll see exactly what I mean. Create your own soundtrack with Raycon. Right now, Maya Culpa listeners can get 15% off their Raycon order at buyraycon.com slash Cohen. That's buyraycon.com slash Cohen to save 15% on Raycons. One more time, folks. Buyraycon.com slash Cohen. But, you know, I'll also tell you something that you brought up, and it's very true. These people are insurrectionists. There is no way around that. And how you know that? What they did is they committed a crime, no different than if you were casing out a bank in order to rob it. They cased out the joint. They were there days before. They created a map, right? They knew exactly where everybody's office were. And they entered days before in order to create that map with the help and assistance of somebody. Which sort of brings me to my next question to you. Why do you think that Kevin McCarthy is so afraid of those phone records and other communications? Do you have any idea of what's in there? And could it finally create a scenario for accountability of the GOP? I think that uh, my guess, based on the information that I know at this point, I would assume that McCarthy has information on trying to get in touch with Trump. It was more than two communique. It was more than two phone calls. It was his staff. It was individuals that that were in leadership trying to touch base with him. It wasn't just McCarthy. And I think that that's going to expose the fact that he was trying to organize people to contact Trump from the Capitol to do everything they could to to put an end to it. And he was wondering, you know, where the fuck is the president? Where exactly is he? Um, And I think that's what we're going to find out. I don't think that uh, McCarthy, if he was involved with any of the planning beyond beyond much, like he's he is not the, that bright, but he he will abide by the law at least in slight. I don't think that he helped plan a violent insurrection on the Capitol. I don't think he would do that. It's not beyond my thought that he would. But I would assume that he has the organizational prowess of blaming Trump. Like it's proof that it, it just singles out Trump from him, even though he said that verbatim before on the House floor that he is Trump is to blame. Um, so I, I think that the thing that he's hiding is how many people were trying to get in touch with Trump. That's what I think. And that's a big deal because just a phone call or two or two phone calls. I don't think that's it. And I think that being exposed and electronic communications of him, you know, texting someone and saying, hey, where the hell is the president? This guy is inept. This guy's an idiot. Like this, that kind of stuff that rants out during a terrorist attack when you're inside of it, in the middle of it, asking the one person to end it, who's basically his boss or he's a lapdog at that point. You got to, you know, so whatever electronic communications he had with all the members of Congress and everybody else. And then not only that, but afterwards, so like, what? Why exactly did he go from this? Oh, uh, 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 I guess uh, anti-Trump to the switch of he meets with Trump, and then that happened. Like, we we want to know exactly what were promises made, what were the threats made, 
Like, is there retaliation? Is there blackmail? Is there is he compromised at a level beyond Trump, which is enough for us to think that he's corrupt as hell? But like, that's that's what we're actually looking at is we have to see what was the truth that day? Like, how hard were you actually trying? You know, maybe he wasn't trying that hard. Maybe he wasn't pushing back. And that'd be telling as well. So like, it, that's what we need to find out. We need to find out answers. We can't just, uh, you know, assume that he did, you know, he did two phone calls with Trump and that was it. There's no way that he was sitting there and he's like, you know, just two phone calls with Trump and that then it's over. Like, there's no way that he would he would have wanted this to go on, I would assume, unless he didn't. But I guess we, we won't know until we'll have those phone records. But those phone records will be retained. There's no way that he's going to be able to block that from happening. I'm guessing the FBI already has it as well, because people need to know exactly what went on that day, what went on before that day, what went on after that day. Like, was he worried about security? Was he saying, did he touch base with Democratic members? Did he work with Democratic members on different things? Is there proof of that? Um, like, this is evidence that will come out in testimony and also, obviously, that will be sent out by by the committee itself eventually in their report. Like, we, we've we got a lot of questions, and there's too many questions and not enough answers. And, and I think the only way to do that is, you know, subpoena, 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 or request for information and make sure you get it and disseminate it to the masses. And if I was a phone provider, I would have just willingly, here's the phone records at this point, because maybe they're waiting for subpoena because then, you know, that, that'd be... They would have, yeah, by the way, they have to do it by right, subpoena. Right, right. They can't just take your, okay. your phone records and do it. But I think it's a little bit more than that, to be honest with you. I think Kevin McCarthy is trying to protect certain individuals, right? He's taking it upon himself, right, to be the leader of this disgraceful faction, like, for example, Jim Jordan. We know that Jim Jordan um, communicated with the president. And again, he was, you know, blabbering like a fool. Um, Yeah, I speak to him every day. Uh, Once it was it twice. How do you know that it's not 10 times, right? Which is what I ended up. I told the Congress I spoke to Trump three times about a failed real estate project. In fact, I told him 10. I got charged and convicted of a 1,001 violation for lying about whether I spoke to Trump three times or 10 times. So I certainly expect that if Jim Jordan told the country that he spoke one time, right, when in fact he spoke three times, five times, 10 times, he too should be held responsible, immediately thrown thrown out of Congress. That's certainly for sure. But then you have Rudy Colludi, right, who sat up there screaming, right, you know, about, you know, how we have to overtake the Congress, how we have to take back the country. Trump himself making the same remarks, right? Then, of course, you had Don Jr., no different, saying the same sort of bombastic rhetoric in order to rile everybody up and get them to go to the Capitol. But then, of course, there's also the issue of whether or not Chivanka, you know, Jared and Ivanka had the, um, you know, communications with their father. What did they say? Did they send text messages? Did they call? And if the answer is yes, they made the calls, bring their ass in front of Congress and depose them. I mean, You know, they can say, oh, executive privilege, executive privilege. I'm not so sure you should be entitled to executive privilege when you're participating in an insurrection. Right. And the DOJ did send out a letter that kind of is cover for them saying that you don't have you don't have executive privilege in this instance. Like it's just not an event that's, I guess, covered by it. But um, they had sent out some kind of letter in in regards to that. I think everyone accountable because where was he? Who was around him? And th- those people 
how, how were they communicated? Were they communicated to, you know, by Jim Jordan, Mark Meadows, Stephen Miller? Like, what, what exactly do they have on them? And I'm guessing that a lot of them wanted this to happen. They wanted to do anything they could, whatever it took. I'm guessing we're going to see a lot of instances of that. There's I, My assumption is that if they actually do their jobs and uncover what, what is there, then there's going to be indictments from inside the, the, the former White House. Because these people, there's no way that Stephen Miller is going to be like, Mr. President, like we need to stop this insurrection so that you can't stay in office. Like, I just don't see that happening. Like, I see him as being a weasel who's like, oh, yes, like, obviously, this was legal. This is all like he's just talking. You know what I see happening, Scott? I see him going out and buying a case full of spray on hair, spraying it all over his face and pretending to be a Wookiee. And when they put him up in front of me, right? And he's going to sit up there. Right. Meanwhile, since we're on Jim Jordan for a second, I want to ask you this. You recently posted a video where Jim Jordan is caught on tape, and he is so, he's so fucking stupid, saying the rioters attacking Capitol Police got to be held accountable. Now, this is on top of a recent video from another Democratic activist um, who caught Wisconsin Senator Ron Johnson admitting that the election was not stolen. And in fact, it was Trump's fault that the GOP lost. Now, this despite Jordan calling January 6th rioters political prisoners and Ron Johnson pushing Trump's big lie. At what point do you think that this will all stop? Is video evidence of their hypocrisy enough to change the minds? Or is the only way out of this for the Democrats to just win the 2022 election? I think the the video evidence is great. Uh, Lauren Windsor from Undercurrent is the one who's out there uh, we've been working with for eight months or so. We, we've got a lot of people on video, especially leading up to January 6th. We got Tuberville on video uh, talking about how he was g- going to vote to overturn the election, even though that I, I don't think he was sworn in yet or that was somebody else. I, I, don't, I don't exactly remember, but um, there, there's a there's a ton of uh, video. Ev- I think what when it's them talking, contradicting themselves, that is the most damning evidence that we can have against these liars. Um, so, you know, getting them caught on video, admitting that um, they they actually, I guess there were criminal acts that were committed that day. That fact completely contradicts everything he's been saying. And then the, the fact also that um, anybody who assaulted police officers should be held accountable. Now, keep in mind, these are two people that are standing in front of him, right? They're both progressive activists, both journalists, and they're standing in front of Jim Jordan. And they told him we were there on January 6th. He was not concerned about the fact they were there. He doesn't know if they went in the building or not. And he's just not concerned about that at all. Then he acts like he doesn't know about, you know, the Jan- uh, the September 18th thing coming up. Um, but overall, he just sits there and, and he talks about how Trump's going to run again. And he's so sure of it. And then that leads to his office saying he never said that. And we we had not released the video yet. And so then we were like, okay, well, we have video of it tomorrow. And they're like, oh, well, uh, and then Trump spokesman came out and said, oh, well, he's not running. He never told Jim Jordan that. And and then, so they were all going against each other, I guess, eating each other. And then it basically led to um, the only one who's telling the truth was, was Lauren. Um, but it, it just, it showed that when they're cornered and by themselves, 
It's just, there's no way out. And so that, that seems to be the best way is to catch them on camera being who they truly are, not this artificial uh, loudmouth screaming, you know, oblivious to reality uh, cartoon character that comes out and just sits there like a firebrand. Like we, we have to expose exactly who they are. I think it's helpful, but, but obviously every single thing that we can do to expose these people is, it is essential. So investigating them again, if they're acting corrupt, a lot of times you're going to find it in their FEC reports. And so analyzing everybody's FEC reports, which would be their campaign finance reports, uh, and making sure that you go through every single part of their life so that you can figure out, okay, how corrupt are they? And, and a lot of times, again, when you find one corrupt act, you're going to find more. That's one way to do it. You also have to have candidates running against them. You can't just have empty seats where someone is running for re-election without an opposition. Because if they have opposition, no matter if it's a long shot or not, that is going to be essential because they'll have to campaign. They'll have to go home. They'll have to spend time there instead of spending time on TV, instead of spending time outside of the district in D.C., strategizing how they can try and screw up President Biden's administration and that kind of stuff. So we need to be able to take the fight locally uh, in a legal way to make sure we push back in every single way. And it just can't happen without people running for office, without people supporting those campaigns and for us running at every single level, not just congressional and Senate and gubernatorial, but, uh, you know, for school board. And we got to be brave. We know when people government, you can't just sit there. It's not about a popularity contest. Like sometimes you just have to make decisions and people aren't going to like it. You know, it's like wear your fucking mask because you wear a mask. Just wear a mask. Get vaccinated or you're not going to be able to basically go outside, go to the grocery store, go do X, Y and Z because corporations are allowed to ban you, et cetera. cetera. Like sometimes situations just have you have to make decisions. Now, with the Democrats, there's a way to get out of this, which is making sure that you keep on doing work for the American people, get rid of the filibuster, stop acting like this speed bump is like, oh, no, like this is. This is the most important thing that's not in the Constitution at all and doesn't get mentioned anywhere and was really. You have to do exactly what Donald would do, and that's to just shit all over the whole concept of filibuster, run right through it. And if it was a speed bump, do what Donald did. He'd take out a jackhammer and remove the speed bump in the middle of the night so nobody knows. But this brings me up to a really important question, and I want my listeners to really focus on this one, because this may be the single most important question that I've asked yet on this show, and we've done over 105 episodes. The nightmare scenario for me and for Democrats is losing the House in the midterms. Now, this obviously cannot be allowed to happen in today's insane political climate. But I want you to really do me a favor. I want you to scare the shit out of my listeners so that they understand what's at stake here. What can we expect to happen if the House flips and McCarthy ultimately becomes against Speaker? Um, We can expect them to do everything we're expecting Democrats to do right now. Uh, investigations into everybody, including journalists, American citizens, um, people who are private citizens that are just standing up to them. Um, You can expect isolation of corporations where they're controlling candidates and committees even more than now. Um, Probably more corruption than you saw in the Trump administration. That'll look like a cakewalk compared to what that would be. Um, But really focused in on investigations and pushing indictments, whether frivolous or not, they would use the power of Congress um, to investigate, 
and then use that propaganda that they make. They've done this before, obviously, where they print out reports and wave it around and try and destroy, try and destroy people methodically one by one by one by one. So they would focus maybe on the our, our Marjorie Taylor Green. We don't have one, but like if if someone they they turn one, someone into that, and people like Marjorie Taylor Green uh, would take over the Republican Party. Like these are the people who would end up running it if they take back the House in 2022. Those will be the leaders. Now, if they don't, my guess is that Cheney and uh, uh, Kinzinger and Romney, those would be the people who take over the party if there is one left. But like it looks as of right now, you know, it's going to be tight. And and I think especially with these new voting laws that are passing, um, you know, now we'll have people that are fired up. Uh, they obviously have a, a lot of people, but we cannot underestimate them. They always they'll come out and vote. Um, we have to make sure that we're voting as if it's a general election or else uh, we are going to see things pass the House uh, and the abuse of power beyond anything that we've ever seen before. And God forbid they actually get the Senate back as well. But if they control Congress, they are going to make life a living hell for everyone who opposed them. Uh, the retribution and the the backstabbing and exactly what they'll try and do. I'm guessing that me and Michael will have to leave the country um, or at least, you know, stay in New York. And uh, it's just, it's, it's that kind of abuse of power that we've never seen before, you know, looking at how they can use committees to then act like, act like they've done things where this certifies that Roe v. Wade has been overturned, but it hasn't, but they can use this document in states so they can distract. I mean, the propaganda game will go to an extreme level. They'll, they'll prosecute social media companies somehow, or they'll find a way to get to them so that they can affect uh, a shadow ban liberals or shadow ban people. Um, the conspiracy theories will be the news. Anything they say will become news. It will become Trump on steroids, which is, terrifying so you'll have people like jim jordan marjorie taylor green gosar uh all of your worst nightmares lauren berbert all of them will be ted cruz josh hawley matt gates my my best pal over there you know (laughs) he'll grab his girlfriend from you know from prom and bring her you know to one of these next insurrections but i want to ask you since we're on this topic you know california's special election now to recall governor gavin um newsom is rapidly approaching with the main contender, Larry Elder, who is an insane MAGA freak with a massive radio following. Now, Newsom's main challenger um, is, I mean, you know, he's a well-known guy. Now, we laugh at these people, but then they surprise everyone and they fucking win, mm-hmm. right? How close is this California race? And what happens to the state if Newsom ultimately loses to Elder? Because that's going to be a great example of what's going to happen to this country if, in fact, that the Democrats end up losing um, the House. Because I believe if they do, the House will immediately file articles of impeachment against Biden based upon Afghanistan. Then they've already made it clear that... Kamala Harris is next, right, to get impeached. And they could do this within a week. They could start to finish, right? We don't even need to hold hearings. Based on what he did in Afghanistan, he's out. Oh, she didn't stop him from doing it? You're out. Number three comes in. Who is that? It'll be McCarthy. Right. (laughs) 
And if not McCarthy, I heard that they're contemplating to figure out how that they could put Trump in as the speaker. And that way he would be number three in line. I mean, this is like right out of a bad episode of House of Cards or South Park. This is not this is not a joke. Right. No. And I've learned the, the very easily from 2016, early 2016, when I thought Trump was a joke. And then I went to a football game in the South. And I saw Trump flags flying. I saw red hats on. This is early 2016. I was like, we got to stop this fucking guy. Like, this is going to be insanity. These people are actually serious. This is reminding me of Obama in 2008 and his supporters, like really diehards. These are not people to be messed with. Um, And and I think that they see an opportunity in California to divide and stall and stop. And so even if he's in the governor's mansion. If Larry Elder, God forbid, if he fucking makes it into that governor's mansion, he will put a stop to a lot of things. He'll put a stall on a lot of things and it'll hurt a ton of people. Um, He'll have ineptness. He'll have no idea what he's doing. Um, You know, there's going to be probably a veto proof majority, but like at the same time, that wastes time, that stalls things, that slows things down. And he said on video, again, captured by Lauren Windsor um, yesterday, I believe uh, where he, he said that he would, uh, he would put a stop to anything that is abortion related that went, went too far or anything that pushed back against it. So he would probably try and make it the, the next Texas. Imagine that if California became Texas, you know what I mean? Like that is the kind of place that Larry Elder wants. So uh, that's why it, it's, it's really terrifying that it can get that way, but we're at a spot now where people need to get off their butts and you need to vote no on the recall or else you're going to end up with Larry Elder if people take this passively and they act like, oh, well, Newsom's fine. It'll be no, no, I would not. I would assume the worst at this point um, because Larry Elder can win. You know, he doesn't even need a full like 50 percent plus in this. You know, it's so like this is a very confusing election. Obviously, after this, they need to pass new laws because this ain't going to work for anybody to to understand exactly what's going on here. Um, but this this is especially in a time of crisis. You're going to put a guy out there that has no idea what he's doing, who wants to put a stop to everything, who who will actively probably break the law in doing so and show his corruption every single day. Um, you're going to see worse than Texas at that point, because one of our you, you have California fighting against itself and that's going to be worse than even today. And we don't we don't want that, especially um, with it, it, at that point, it'll be California, Texas. Next, it'll be. New York, you know, you you never know. And and we have to be careful and we have to assume the worst at this point. So if you're out there, vote no. Otherwise, you may be stuck with Larry Elder until he gets recalled. You just state he has no idea what he's doing. And I'm referring to Larry Elder. But then you recently pinned a tweet to the top of your page that reads, the Democratic coalition is all in on protecting Raphael Warnock. How serious of a contender is Herschel Walker in that race, right? This is another guy who has no idea what he's doing, right? He is, and he was, a great football player. Yes, I take my hat off, right, to Herschel Walker. He was a great contestant. He didn't win uh, on Apprentice, but now he wants to run and run against Raphael Warnock. Beyond that, do you think that... Will, will, the, will the coalition that Stacey Abrams built to help flip Georgia remain as strong a force as it was in 2020 for this 2022? I would hope so that it's become stronger. Um, but again, it's, you know, people get tired eventually. And so there's got to be something to fire them up, especially in a 
midterm like election, it's, it's going to be tough to turn people out. One would assume. So you have to be, make sure that they are explained exactly what happened in the past, um, and people remember exactly where that came from. And one of our jobs is to make sure that we repeat exactly where where it's come from, where you're, you're headed, and where you could possibly end up. Um, and, and things will get much worse. Obviously, Warnock is a big race. Um, Herschel Walker, there's a lot of stuff that's come out on his exes and, you know, women and abuse and, and things like that. So, so what that shit that, came out on Donald too. That's why, that's why Trump probably endorsed him. Like, it, it, you know, he probably got more support from that. And so if that, if him talking about, you know, there's multiple women who have now said that, uh, he threatened to shoot them in the head. And it's still, he didn't drop out. He's still in there. So like, I would assume that he's going to be in it no matter what. Um, yeah, he said that he, he's admitted or his spokesman uh, admitted that he has mental health problems in the past. Um, and, and so like, it just doesn't make much sense for his candidacy overall, but he is absolutely viable. So even though Larry Elder doesn't know his way around government and doesn't know what he's doing, and Herschel Walker doesn't know his way around government. The people around them know how to manipulate it. They know how to win elections. They know how to trash somebody else. And so that's what we got to be careful of. It's not just that candidate. It's the staff that they'll hire if they become governor or senator. And in Warnock's case, because it's a midterm, it's a, and because of the voting laws that have passed, like people have to be really, really careful because it's going to be a hard race for Warnock. And I would assume that, you know, you know, new polls are going to come out shortly that push Herschel Walker, even with Warnock, if not ahead. Like it's it's a dangerous proposition right now. And there'll be a lot of people who just look at him and they're like Herschel Walker. Yep. Oh, sure. Yeah, I know him. I recognize the name. Yep. So, Scott, let me like I said to you at the very beginning, the hour goes by quickly. I have one last question for you. Right. Because there's loud support to pass the Women's Health Protection Act, which would codify Roe v. Wade into law, making it harder to overturn at the state level. But isn't any bill just a symbolic act right now unless the Democrats kill the filibuster as this bill would likely die in the Senate? Yes. And we we need uh, Cinema and Manchin to wake up and recognize what party they're with. And there needs to be pressure on them. Uh, to get this passed, especially at WHPA, like there's got to be ways to push back. And I don't know exactly. They can use the excuse of there's corruption on the other side. So we have to balance that out by passing laws. And, and the only way to do that is stop backing like there's some imaginary fence. Like, oh, my God, there's this regal thing over here, the filibuster. Nobody gives a fuck about a filibuster. Nobody knows what a filibuster is. Nobody cares what a filibuster is. They want you to do your damn job. They don't want you to curtsy. They don't want you to be out there acting like you're a moderate who voted for with Obama like 98% of the time. Like, go out there and be your true self. Don't be a barrier because you will be remembered as worse than McConnell. I promise you. So the, the key here is we have to, I, I don't know exactly how it's going to be done, but it will be ceremonial if if the Senate isn't able to do their job and those two roadblocks exist. Now there is a potential of Republicans jumping on board, but who knows, who knows about that? Like that. And so I think speaker Pelosi is putting them in the position of like, we're going to pass this and you're going to, you're going to fucking do something with it. Or you're going to tell the world exactly what you've done. You're going to be the roadblocks. You're going to be blame. At least she's putting it in their court being like, okay, 
Like this is the time for you to do it. And she's done that a lot, obviously lately. And I think, so it, it's, it's more of a, an attempt to pressure them to pass it because if, uh, if she waited for them to be okay with it and then passed it, you know, it would be waiting around forever. So at least this puts pressure on them as, as much as she possibly can. And then we can support it and push them in the right direction and remind them exactly what, who they're helping is they're helping Texas at that point, the Texas government, and they're not helping Texans. They're not helping Americans. They're hurting all of us and they're hurting us in the long run as well. And so my hope is that somehow someone is able to get through to these two politicians. So they stop playing politics and start realizing they're being used as political pawns by the Republican party and they're doing their job for them by dividing the party. And so they need to get their stuff together uh, or acting like they're dividing the party, acting like there's this moderate wing of the democratic party that doesn't believe in X, Y, no, no, the base is there. The support is there. Manchin can definitely vote for this and, and get away with it in his state. He'll be able to make up whatever excuse and cinema has no excuse. Right? Cinema. I've been in an event with her with Michelle Obama, where she was the most giddy person there. So thrilled to meet her. I think she was a rep at that time. And she should be super liberal. And I'm not exactly sure what happened, but um, it, it's it's not not any John McCain. And I, I'll tell you that that's for damn sure. So my hope is that th- they do their job because this is just an excuse and it's a sad excuse and it's could get people killed. But what I would really like to see is some of the wives or daughters or granddaughters of some of these uh, Republican politicians and let them explain, you know, how it is that their father, their, you know, their grandfather, et cetera, um, you know, their husband, uh, you know, feels that women should not have the right, you know, to make their own choice. But I will tell you, Scott, as we are approaching this 2022 midterm, I truly believe that you, myself, and a lot of other people who have a voice out there, that it is really incumbent upon all of us to do all that we can to ensure that the Democrats keep the House in 2022. And I don't know what that is. So if you come up with any ideas, just hit me up, do whatever it is. But I really do believe that those of us that have a voice to enough people uh, as we do, uh, really need to do this to protect the democracy of this country because we're really on a precipice of losing everything here. And I want to thank you for joining me today on Maya Culpa. And I'm going to wait for that phone call from you in terms of what we need to do. I don't care if we have to hit the road. 75 days and I'm done. So, you know, I can go hit the road and I, I'm more than happy to get up there. And I don't care, you know, Who's in the crowd? They could yell, scream, shout all they want. This is about the future of this country and the democracy of this country. And that's worth fighting for. Absolutely. Michael, thank you for having me. And thank you. uh, You know, it's well deserved after the 76, 75 days. How many? uh, I have 75 left. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I'll say this again. We said this off air. Uh, I would say that, you know, out of anyone in the the Trump party, folks like by far you have earned redemption more than anyone and so i thank you for what you've done because you helped bring down the president and that was so essential to saving our democracy and uh in our fight and so we, we welcome you to the fight we welcome you to this and, and uh thank you again for all you're doing i hope you put everything into it and keep on going because people are going to listen because you've got a lot to say and people should listen at this well scott i'm not done i still have the da and the ag here in the city and state of new york to deal with and i thank you and i look forward to seeing you really soon thanks Michael. and now for today's mea culpa it's time for us to be honest 
The Biden administration should have seen the passage of SBA coming. Texas's six-week abortion ban was signed into law by Governor Greg Abbott back in May. It was always going to go into effect on September 1st, barring court interference. By that month, state legislatures had more than 500 bills designed to restrict abortion access. In June, the Supreme Court agreed to hear Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, a case that directly challenges Roe v. Wade and could end abortion rights for women across the country who aren't lucky enough to live in a state that has codified abortion access for its citizens. President Biden's lack of action on this issue broke a promise he made to his voters. He campaigned on protecting Americans' right to abortion access from state-level attacks. He has promised over and over that Roe v. Wade is the law of the land and that as president, he would codify abortion rights at the federal level in order to protect them being further eroded at the state level. There was chatter that Biden would expand the Supreme Court in order to protect the conservative minority from stripping rights from women and shaping American law for the next 40 years. Well, folks, he hasn't done any of it. Why not? I believe he is still deluded in this fantasy of bipartisanship, that there must always be a middle ground and that the other side has a right to their beliefs. Well, it's a fucking naive and outdated mode and thought that in this day and age is equivalent to appeasement. There is no other way to describe what's going on. This administration needs to take the gloves off and write fucking now and start doing what it promised to do before the election and that's pushed back against authoritarianism. It's time to start now. And thanks for listening. Mea Culpa is brought to you by Audio Up, Midas Touch, and LSJ Media. And it's written and produced by Jimmy Jelinek. Executive producers are Jared Gustat, Jimmy Jelinek, myself, Michael Cohen, and Phil Alberstadt. Our editor is Lisa Orkin. It may be a new day politically, but nowadays the landscape is more confusing than ever. Donald Trump may have lost the battle for the presidency, but in many ways, Trumpism is winning the war on the state and local level. Maya Culpa is here to help guide you through the wilderness and keep you informed. And let's face it, we all want Trump, Rudy, and the rest of these seditious traitors to see justice. And folks, it's coming. So stay tuned as I guide you through the twists and turns of the criminal process that will ultimately see them behind bars. Maya Culpa, nothing but the truth. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones. Pluto TV. Drop in. Watch free. Pluto TV is playing the biggest movies every night this summer for free. Watch hit movies like The Matrix, G.I. Joe Retaliation, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, Scary Movie, Runaway Bride, and more all summer long. Check out the biggest stars like The Rock, Keanu Reeves, Tom Cruise, Julia Roberts, Arnold Schwarzenegger, and more. Plus, Pluto TV has hundreds of free TV channels in English and Spanish featuring TV shows, news, sports, comedy, and more all for free. Download the free Pluto TV app on your favorite streaming device, including Android and Apple smartphones.
Pluto TV. Drop in, watch free.